everyone. Welcome back to the CTYA podcast. We are so glad that you joined us here today. Sit back, relax, get out your favorite pencil, your favorite notebook. May you be blessed in the Lord. God, but he has always cared for me. If you believe that, just lift your voice to the Lord. We love you, Jesus. Yes, hallelujah, hallelujah. We exalt you. Lord, you never let us down. Amen. Amen. Well, I am thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Thankful to be with all of you. I love young adults. Uh, It's been a place of support for me and I hope it's that for everybody Uh, and I'm glad to be here with y'all. You guys can be seated. I want to take your attention uh, today to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21 and uh, we'll get there in a moment but I want to talk about David today and not David Cole although he is a cool guy uh, and Cole cool kind of play on words there but not David Cole, but King David in the Bible. How many know David? Just wave your hand at me if you know David in the Bible. You've heard about him. I know you've probably studied him a lot uh, if you've been around church for a while. Uh, But I want to talk about a story tonight about David that is not one of the more well-known stories. In fact, I want to talk about something tonight that is a little crazy. Somebody say crazy. crazy. And it's You know, I wasn't planning. I didn't know that the sound system was maybe not going to work. I didn't know the computer wasn't going to work. But I was planning to talk about something crazy tonight. So maybe we are in the will of God. Uh, But we're talking about David. We know that uh, he comes into the scene on the Bible in 1 Samuel 16. And he is anointed, right? He is chosen to be the next king. And Then next chapter, David, he ends up fighting Goliath. We all know that story. It's amazing. He kills Goliath. He becomes the captain of Israel's army. He becomes friends to the king's son, Jonathan. He ends up getting married to a princess, uh, Michael. This doesn't sound like the name of a princess, but but she was. Uh, And David, he achieves this level of celebrity, this level of fame throughout the land. And of course, we know this threatens Saul. This threatens Saul. And Saul tries multiple times to kill David. You guys have probably heard the stories or read the stories of Saul throwing javelins at David, literally trying to kill him. Like, not that he was an inconvenience to him, but he was actually trying to kill him with his bare hands. Uh, And so this is the scene that we step into in 1 Samuel 21. David is on the run, and he is alone. And I'm going to go ahead and read it. 1 Samuel 21, starting at verse number 10. It says, And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul. Somebody say fear. Fear, fear is a, a powerful motivator. And, and he, he goes to Achish, the king of Gath. He goes to the land that Goliath was from. It seems crazy when you think of the fact that David had just been in a battle with 
Goliath, right, Brother Elder? It doesn't seem like you want to go hang out with your mortal enemies all the time. No, I, I at least wouldn't want to. But David, he, he's so scared of his home situation that he feels like it would be safer with his enemies. And it continues, And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? David, he's a humble guy, but he didn't realize that they knew who he was. They remembered the, the little boy who stepped out on the battlefield and fought the giant. They remembered their number one enemy. And of course, to us, it makes sense. But David, he's not thinking clearly because he's scared. And they know who he is. And it says, David laid up these words in his heart, and he was sore afraid. Again, he's, he's fearful of Achish, the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them. This is where it gets crazy. This is what I was promising you guys. This, this is where it gets a little weird. It says, he changed his behavior. He feigned, or he acted, as if he were mad in their hands. He scrabbled on the doors of the gate. That means he was scratching on the doors now, I think this is David, right? Again, not David Cole, but King David. This is the guy who killed Goliath. This was the warrior. This was the soon-to-be king, and he's scratching the doors, acting like he is crazy because he's so scared to be in this king's palace. It says he, he it's kind of gross. He let his spittle fall down upon his beard, so he's just slack-jawed and acting like he's just totally lost it. Continues, then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see this man is mad. Why did you bring him to me? Why did you bring this crazy guy to me? Do I have need of mad men that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? He's saying, why did you bring this insane person in front of me? Don't you know I am a king? Don't you know I have better things to do? How many have ever just felt that way? You've got better things to do than entertain a crazy person, right? It's, it, it, Dave, maybe it's just me. It's all right to laugh tonight. It's okay. Maybe it's just me, but, but David, he, he comes into this situation. He's acting like, like he has rabies or something, like he's old yeller at the end of the movie. He's, he's, he's acting like he has just lost his mind. It's like, oh, don't mess with David. That dude forgot to take his medicine today. Like he, he's just totally, he's totally lost his mind. It seems weird. It's not a story. I, I read this recently and I don't know if I had never put it together in my mind, but this story is just nuts. This story is just wild. It's a perfect story for tonight. Uh, and, and that's why I want to preach to you all tonight or teach to you, stop the madness. Somebody turn to the person next to you and say, stop the madness. Yeah, turn to the other person and say, you need to stop the madness. Just stop it. Just stop it. We see David in this portion of scripture. He is the same man that stood before Goliath. They're talking about the same David just a few chapters later. If you didn't know, now you know. It's the same guy. And just as he walked out with confidence on that battlefield with Goliath and he took those stones, we remember the story, and he had the, the sling ride and he, and he 
did something with the sling. I don't know how they did it. I know Brother Pedigo got me a sling one time, and I couldn't get it to work. I don't. Uh, but but David, he's he's the same guy. But instead of coming into this altercation with confidence, Brother Dennett, he comes into this altercation with fear. And because of that, he doesn't come out of it victoriously, you could say. Now, David wasn't killed, which I think was his goal. He was trying to not be killed. And, and he ends up being so pathetic and so pitiful that the king doesn't even want to kill him. Like, it was his number one enemy. And he says, this guy's crazy. He's not even worth my time. Get him out of here. I've got things to sign or whatever they did back then. But David, he, he's, not, he's the same guy, but he's really not the same guy. He didn't have the same confidence. And although David, his goal was to be spared, I'm here to tell you that David would have been spared regardless of the show. David would have been spared regardless of him feeling like he had to lie to get out of it. How do I know that? Because he was anointed. Because he was going to be the next king of Israel. Think about it in this context. David, at this point in his life, I don't know how old he was, but he had fought a lion. He had fought a bear. He had fought a giant who was nine foot nine or something like that. And, and now he's in a situation where, for whatever reason, this is starting to get to him. He was implacable this whole time. He could not be uh, messed with. He was totally confident. But now he is scared to the point where he feels like he needs to be something else. I want to tell you tonight that David's anointing did not change. His anointing did not change. God bless you, Brother Jordan. His anointing did not change, right? You know, you know what we're talking about. His anointing did not change, but, but his support system did. That's a powerful point. David, he, he loses everything that he had when he went up against Goliath, or so it would seem, if we were just going to stack it up. When he fought against Goliath, do you guys remember what Saul tried to do? He, he set him up with his armor, he said, here, even take my sword. Here, go out and do this thing, and, and I'm believing in you. I'm behind you 100%. And when David goes and kills Goliath, in fact, we even read later that Saul rejoiced when he saw that. Saul was excited that David was able to kill this enemy that was haunting and, uh, the children of Israel. Saul believed in him. He had his friend. He had Jonathan. He had his wife, his wife that he had to flee from. He had this support system. But then David has to leave all of this because Saul gets envious, because Saul gets jealous, because the person in his life that should have been the most excited for him, because the person in his life that should have been behind him the most, pushing him and propelling him forward, no longer decides to do that, but decides that it's not worth my time. And in fact, I actively want to kill you. So David, he leaves, he loses his confidence. I, I just want to say to somebody tonight, uh, maybe you feel like you might have lost something along the way. Maybe you feel like you don't have the support that you would have liked to have. But I do want to tell you that losing your support system can make you feel crazy. Maybe you don't feel like you're at this point in life, but I will say from my experience as a human being, I can totally understand, although I am maybe not that dramatic, although I am maybe, uh, maybe, although I am maybe not that accomplished of an actor, I, I would still tell you today, I know what it's like to feel like you're just going through the motions. 
I know what it's like to feel like you are not doing the right things, to feel like everything is so set against you that there could not possibly be a victory. And so you have to flee. And so you are scared. And so you choose to remove yourself from the things that you knew to do. David was a warrior, but now he was playing a fool. David was a man of valor, used to accomplishing every task set before him in his young life. And now he is having to be afraid. Now he is having to feign to be something that he is not just for survival. Sometimes the brokenness of our situations can make us forget who we are. Sometimes the situation, Brother King, can, can be so dark that we just don't know how to keep moving forward. And I'm not here tonight to be heavy and on purpose, but I, I do want to say that if you are not feeling like maybe you're there tonight, I, I would say that, man, there, there is a, a grief that you can feel that David was feeling in this story. That totally removed him from thinking of himself as the powerful warrior that he was. That totally removed him from thinking of himself as we, even the, uh, the Gathites, they, they, the Philistines, they looked at him and they saw the powerful man. They saw the one who was going to be king. They saw the one who people sang about, but David couldn't see it in himself. And we've all been there. And, and hopefully, or if not, you might be a psychopath or something or a sociopath or something like that. But we all have moments of doubt. Sorry, I, I shouldn't joke like that. But we all do have moments of doubt. How many would say, I've doubted before? Maybe I, I've doubted myself before. Even what God called me to do, there has been situations where I thought I was so removed from it that it wasn't possible. This is where David was in this moment in time. We can all end up there. I can remember a point in my life where I felt like I had lost the support that I was counting on. Those of you who have known me since I was uh, a child, you would know probably what I'm talking about. But those of you who I have met in the last couple of years, or maybe you didn't know me a few years ago, I, I was, just to be honest and level with you tonight, I, I was 13 years old when my father passed away. I was 13 years old when I lost someone in my life who was so integral to my life, who, who was just such an awesome thing to me. And uh, it's funny because I, my dad to me was, and I don't talk about this a lot, and I, and I hope I'm not just airing dirty laundry, but I, I'm trying to be real tonight to say that my dad to me, he was the one that believed in me no matter what. I always felt that from him. And Brother Cole, I see you back there, and Brother Tipsword, you guys are, are fathers, and I'm sure you feel that, uh, maybe that, um, I don't know if it's responsibility or just that, that urge. You just, you love it when your kid does something that's awesome. And, and I haven't experienced that as a father, obviously, but it's a real thing. There's something about a father's love. There's something about a parent who is proud of you, even when they should not be proud of you. I, <laughs> I remember coming home with a report card one time, and my mom is the more real, the, the more of the realist, I guess, or the one who expected more of me. Uh, <laughs> but I remember coming home with a report card, and uh, I had a C. It was bad. It was bad. It was a C in handwriting class. Not math, not even English, 
not one of the hard sciences, uh, Sister Hussey, but it was handwriting class I got a C in. And my mom, it was, you would have thought it was a nuclear bomb had just gone off in Indianapolis or something. It was terrible. It was, you did not want to be there. I was scared for my life. Uh, but I remember showing it to my dad. And I remember my dad saying, hey, you got a C. Hey, I know you worked really hard because a couple weeks ago that was an F. Uh, <laughs> I said, I, he said, I, I've been there before where I had to work really hard to pull the grade up, and so I, I'm proud of you. And, and that to me is, is who my dad was. He was just proud of me no matter what. I'll, I'll say another story just because we got some time tonight. Uh, but I remember dad, I was in sixth grade. He came to one of my basketball games. It was here at CCS. It was right down there. And... Uh, <laughs> And my, now my team, we had people on my team who were like, in, were sophomores. It was a JV team, but they were on the sophomore team for some reason. And I was in sixth grade, and there was 20 people on the team. I was like the last one they let on the team. And uh, my dad came, and he saw me play, and I, I scored my first points. Uh, it was like the fourth game of the season, but I scored my first points. <laughs> and he... Uh, and after the game, he told me, he said, you know, you're like the second best player on your team. You know, and I was like, Dad, I'm not. <laughs> like, I know I'm not. But that was, that was that support system. That was that structure in my life that nobody could believe in you like that. Anybody else saw me there? You're terrible. You're trash. What are you, get, go get in the gym. But my dad was saying, no, I, it's like oh, the weirdest delusion to think that I was not even that I was the best. I would almost just, like, that would almost make more sense to me. Do you guys know what I'm saying? Like, if he was just going to go all the way hyperbole. But he was like, no, you're like the second. You know, it's like, you got to make it believable, I guess. But, but it was not. Uh, and so I, that was my dad, and he was just this supportive force. He was somebody who really believed in me, who really invested in me. And I, I remember losing that, and I remember the struggle in it was something I still feel to this day, the, the years I had in my life where I felt like I couldn't do anything right. The, the years I had where I just felt inadequate, and I'm not trying to be emotional, but I, I can remember times as a 14-year-old literally crying to myself in the middle of the night because I felt like I just wasn't good enough, because I felt like I wasn't getting it done. And to be honest, I was not. <laughs> And maybe if my dad was there, it would have not been good for me because he would have said, well, you're the second best on the team. Uh, but it was, it was so difficult for me. And so I can relate to what David here is going through in the scripture. His, his mentor, the person who should have been, uh, who was in charge of him, who was the king, he was going to have his job someday. You would think that a righteous king and a righteous king would have, and Saul was not one, but you would think that you would want to help that next person up. If you really cared about the people, if you really cared about Israel, then you would think Saul would want to show David the ropes, but instead he tried to kill him. It was a betrayal. It was a loss on levels that is hard to imagine. And of course, we're not talking about kingdoms in here today. You and I are not up for election anytime soon, as far as I know or dynastic succession in the case of uh, David. But we are talking about living the life that you want to live in God. And sometimes you lose that support system and it seems like that went out the window. 
it seems like you can never get that back because, man, I'm just not good enough. And I just want to tell somebody tonight, you do not have to be good enough to get God. But God sees you exactly where you are at and he loves you. Not because of what you have done, but because you are an image bearer of the Lord our God. And when he sees you, he sees something to be proud of. When he sees you, he sees something that is good enough. I'm not saying he agrees with every decision that you have made, but I'm saying that he loves you enough to tell you if you're doing it wrong. He loves you enough to direct you in the way that you should go. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Jesus sees all of us even in this place tonight. And although it might feel like we could have got off track, although it might feel like the parents' divorce messed us up, although it might feel like we didn't get the right grade, so to speak, or that maybe we made mistakes that we could not come back from, I do not know your situation, but as a human being, and I know that it's possible to feel like you have removed yourself from the will of God. But I'm here to tell you it is not possible to be outside of the grace of God if you are in the house tonight. It's not possible that God could see you and that he would not want to reach for you. Because he loves you more than you could ever imagine. He loves us tonight. He cares for all of us tonight. It's that hope we have in him. That he would cross incredible boundaries to be with us. That he would be willing to break down the walls that even we can make in our own mind. That even we can put up in our own heart around to say, God, I don't really believe that I'm good enough. But he looks at you and he sees so much potential. He sees so much amazing things in your future. David was going to be king someday. David someday was going to have a big family. David someday was going to be able to win battles for the Lord. Did you know that other, completely other civilizations were grafted in into the children of Israel under the reign of David? That was the goal for Israel from the beginning they were supposed to be a light to the people around them and God he sees all of that and so David while he's making these silly mistakes while he seems like he's totally lost sight of who he is brother Isaac it seems like he's totally uh, just can't recognize who he is even when other people can't God still loves him God still cares for him God still is reaching I'm so glad that Jesus never stops reaching for me. And I think you should be glad Jesus never stops reaching for you. No matter what you think you've backed yourself up into, the, the corner that you can feel like you're stuck in in life, sometimes God is able to just reach down and pick you up and put you in a high place. He loves us tonight. Somebody say, He loves me. Jesus cares for me. It's so true. So what do we do in these moments? What do we do when we're in a situation like David where we have so comically lost our way? When we have so unexplainably... I hope I'm making the point that although it can seem unexplainable, although it can seem foreign, as a human being, I know exactly what David was feeling. And, and although it can seem like we have removed ourselves. We never have. We truly never have. If you're in the place tonight, you haven't removed yourself from the grace of God. So what do we do? I think it's amazing. And we see the answer. We see what David chose to do. 
looking at this story in the middle, it seems hard to imagine that it would end up where it did with him being a righteous king, a man after God's own heart, all the amazing things we talk about, David, all the great things he did. The middle of the story, it doesn't seem like that. But this is what happens. Chapter 22, it says, David therefore departed thence, he left, and he escaped to the cave, Adjuam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men. David, he leaves, and in this cave, although the narrative doesn't capture it exactly in 1 Samuel, the Psalms give us insight into what he chose to do after he left the palace. Psalms 34 captures it, and I'm going to read a few verses here. Psalms 34 and 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. He just left acting like a crazy person. He just left making a fool of himself. And what are the words that he writes? He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not, not I feel like blessing the Lord. Not it seems like it would be a good thing to do it. But I will bless the Lord. Because it's in my agency, it's in my ability to say that God, no matter what I'm going through, no matter the circumstance, I still think you are worthy of all the praise that I could give. I still think you are worthy of the, the effort that I can give every single day. He says, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. He's saying that to all the people around him who are discontented, all the people who are in debt. He served as a lightning rod for all of their struggles. They came to him and they all kind of got together. They're saying misery loves company. It's, it's kind of a situation like that. They're all together. And he says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name. You know, I, I know we could go act crazy in front of the king. I know we could go tell lies. I know we could pretend like things aren't really the way they are. But instead, let's just choose to magnify the Lord. Let's just choose to lift him up because I know that that's how I can get the victory. He says, I sought the Lord and he heard me. He delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of all his troubles. He says, oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. When you choose to love God, there's nothing that you lack in life. Although you might have lost a lot, although you might feel like things don't look so great right now, when I am serving the Lord, I, I, I lack no good thing. He says, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off their remembrance from the earth. He says, but the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and he delivereth them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such that are of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions 
afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. But the Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. David lays it out in clear writing. He says, I was messed up. I was a poor man. I was in a terrible situation. But when I trusted in the Lord, when I began to give him praise, when I began to open up my eyes to him, then he heard me and he helped me. My afflictions were many, but he saved me out of them all. Come on, I want to tell somebody tonight, your afflictions might be many. In fact, the scripture says that the afflictions of the righteous are many. But if you will learn to trust in the Lord, if you will learn to have faith beyond what it looks like with your eyes, then God will hear and God will help you. Somebody clap your hands unto the Lord if you believe it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm trusted in you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm closing tonight. Brother Cole, if you would like to come play some chords, help me land this plane. I've said some crazy things tonight. <laughs> and I hope nobody's been taking notes or taking videos. Uh, but I would like to just remind us all, this is the point that I'm going for, is that although I might not feel like I can control everything, I'll tell you how I felt when I lost my father when I was 13. I felt out of control. I felt scared, just like David did. I, I felt like I... I had no way to control my, my own destiny. Life can, can just hurt you sometimes, and it can seem so unfair. It can seem like, what else could I have done? And the truth is, sometimes there's nothing else you could have done. Because we're dealing with spirit sometimes. David, he, there's no words David could have said to Saul. Saul had an evil spirit. Saul wanted to kill David because he truly was wanting to do something that was evil. Sometimes there's not any words that we can say to change a situation. Except for this word, Jesus. Jesus. I trust in you, Jesus. God, I believe that your plan is right. Lord, even though it seems like I'm totally lost my way, God, I know that you save the righteous. Lord, I know that you look out for those who are less fortunate. I know that you look out for those who, although it might seem really good on the outside and although it might not seem like I've lost anything, God, I, when I lay my head down at night, Lord, and I feel like I don't have peace, when I say your name, Jesus, things begin to change. Things begin to change. We can all stand tonight. There's one thing, really, that we can all control. And that thing is, I'm going to control who I put my trust in. I'm going to control what I set the object of my life to be, the objective of my life. The scripture says in Psalms, some trust in chariots and some in horses. It seems so outdated. In this life, fill in the blank. Teslas, I don't know. Other thing, not saying anything if you own a Tesla, good for you. I'm just saying, 
We can all trust in things that are not really a true, uh, a, a worthy thing to trust in. There's only one thing that's worthy. There's only one name that's worthy. There's only one I'm willing to give my life to. Scripture continues, but we will remember the name of the Lord. And that's all I'm preaching tonight, all I'm teaching is to remember the name of the Lord. We read it earlier, but David, after, after he comes out of that situation, it talks about all the people that go and join up with him, all the people that see what he's gone through and they come and join him. You will never know who sees your testimony. You will never know who sees, Ethan, you will never know who sees the things that you have gone through and, and being a good man and what that could mean to them. You will never know what just being a consistent Christian could draw other people to you. And that's my prayer. Because when you leave this place, when you get in the presence of God and then you leave, it doesn't just affect you, but it affects all those you come into contact with. And that's why it's so important, like David, I'm going to make sure, even if I'm in this cave, even if I'm in this dark situation, God, I'm making sure to say, I'm putting my trust in you, and I'm choosing to live for you. Why don't we all bow our heads tonight? Lord, we love you.